Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The HBCU Legacy Bowl is this Saturday. I'll be live on the scene, but how about we list some players to watch before we get to the game? Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make a Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean that the journey's over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sponsorship or the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're new to FanDuel, go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to make every moment more and get $150 back in bonus bets if you put down a $5 winning bet. Today is all about previewing. We'll wrap up the show with a preview of Saturday's action in HBCU basketball because it is going to clear up a lot of things as we start to near the end of the season, but we kick it off with the two part. And that is a look at the offensive and defensive players you need to watch in the HBCU legacy bowl this Saturday at 3 PM central. I'm going to kick it off with the offense, but I'm not just going with the obvious big names. You will not see Davius Richard on this list. Not because he isn't a great player. I just don't need to see anything from him. Like I feel as if I have a firm grip on who Davius Richard is. I feel as if his stock can improve from playing well in this game through the week of practice, but I'm not necessarily sure how much his stock would improve. He's pretty set in my opinion. But then you look at another quarterback, and that's Jeremy Musa. I believe that Jeremy Musa could use and maximize this game more than any other quarterback. I think that Musa has the potential to be playing in the spring leagues in 2025. And though that may seem like an insult, it's not. There hasn't been an HBCU quarterback drafted since Tavares Jackson, and that was a decade, over a decade and a half ago. right? I think Davius Richard has the best chance to do that. But if there hasn't been one drafted, you know it hasn't been one on the roster. I think that the spring league is a great place for Jeremy Musa. I also think that he's in a proving stage to prove he can play there. The context around Moose's career at FAMU is great for his stock. Willie Simmons, a widely respected head coach, was his coach. He comes from Florida A&M. 
somebody or somewhere that has put out good talent over the last couple of years, looking at Marquise Bell and Isaiah Land. So I like that. You look at his stature. He has good size. You look at the fact that he came from Vanderbilt. A lot of people will look at that as a sign of high potential. All of these things are surrounding him. And then when you get to the play on the field, Musa has had flashes. I've always said he's a solid player. I think that maybe that have, that has gotten lost in the fact that I didn't think he should have been a swag offensive player of the year, and I thought it should have been Ladarius Owens. So when you start making those kind of conversations, some people don't understand. I still think he's a good player. I think he just struggled with some inconsistencies at times. If he can put all of those flashes together, remove the inconsistencies for this week of practice, and then maybe even in the game, I don't know how big that'll be. Scouts a lot of times leave before the game. But in the week of practice, if he can continue to play at the level of his flashes, this guy is going to impress people. And he has a hidden advantage. And we're talking about Jeremy Musa here. Jeremy Musa has a hidden advantage that no other quarterback at the HBCU Legacy Bowl has. He's going to be throwing to John Murray Sharif. He's going to be throwing to Marcus Riley. He's going to be throwing to his tight end, Kamari Young. There's only one other quarterback at the Legacy Bowl that has one teammate there, and that's Quentin Williams out of Howard. He'll be throwing to the tight end. But you look at Musa, he has two wide receivers and a tight end that he played with. In a game where everybody is throwing to people for the first time and you don't really have chemistry, and that's one of the things that we look at, he's going to have chemistry. And he will be able to use that chemistry, hopefully, to impress the scouts. Now, the next person that I'm looking at is Taman Cook out of North Carolina a and I'll be looking at him closer than I think most will. Because in, in all actuality, this game probably isn't the, the most important thing for him. They're going to limit kickoff returns. That's what he does best. But he can come in and show he can be a wide receiver. Where this comes into play is we look at our HBCU athletes and say, you need to prove you can play special teams. That's what we say when we're talking about adding value and why the statement, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but basically you want as many coaches fighting for you as possible. That's the, that's the quote. So if you're a wide receiver, you want to have the special teams coordinator fighting for you. If you're a defensive back, you want to have a special teams coordinator fighting for you. But the thing about Cook is he's a great return specialist, second in yards per return in the nation, first in touchdowns. So he's going to have the special teams coordinator fighting for him. But if he can show enough potential to develop as a wide receiver, and I'm not saying he has to go from a return specialist to Tyreek Hill. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if he can show some potential to be a fifth receiver, and sometimes when you return specialist, like, all right, do we want to hold six because this guy is so good as a return specialist? You show ability to catch the ball. And I think that you will show the ability to be a fifth or sixth wide receiver and able to hold on to that roster spot, even if you're primarily going to be a return specialist. The next guy that I want to look at is R.J. Mobley out of Winston-Salem State, the wide receiver. This is all offense that we're looking at. And the thing about Mobley is I feel like there's always a wide receiver. Over the last two years, there's a wide receiver that shows up and you're like, oh, he caught my eye. McClain from Southern did that one year. And it's not that no one's looking for him because Mobley was getting highlighted heavily during the coverage at the, at the, excuse me, getting highlighted heavily during the coverage at the HBCU Combine. It's just he's coming from a D2 school. 
There's some bigger name receivers that are going to be there, specifically the Rack Boys out of FAMU, looking at Marcus Riley and John Murray Sharid. I think Mobley can be a guy who he surprises some. I still think that Marcus Riley is going to be the guy who is like stealing the show. But I do believe that Mobley has the ability to also get noticed and maybe surprise a couple of people. Lastly, or really quickly, actually, I, I didn't have this guy in my notes, but Tariq Stewart from North Carolina A&T. When I was at the Shrine Bowl, I was talking to some scout, right? I know the scout was, but uh, I was talking to some scout and I was just asking him about the HBCU guys that he has seen over the year. And specifically, we were talking about Davius Richard at the time. But he went out of his way to mention that Tariq Stewart is a guy who has a high level potential. So I really want to see what he does in this game as well. Then lastly, you have Jarvion Howard. Jarvion Howard was a hundred, uh, 100th, 100th. Yeah, he was 100th of a second away from having the best numbers at every single thing. But he was 100th of a second slower than Latrell Collier in their shuttle drill. Like he was that's how close he was. When you watch him out there in shirts and shorts, you say that's a football player. Simple and plain. 5'10", 215, right? Built well. Built. He's built in a way that says, I can do something at the running back position with that guy. That's all you need. If he comes out and he looks good in this game, I'm telling you, there's, there's some players who are on that edge of me feeling like, oh, they might get drafted. I don't think we see a lot of HBCU players drafted. But there's a couple of players that are on that, that line. And I feel like with the good legacy bowl, I can start considering them as potential draftees. Now, as you push forward, let's see if there's any of those guys on the defensive side. Because I have a couple of players that I want to highlight. And I believe that they have a chance to really up their stock and build on what has been phenomenal seasons or postseason performances as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, you got to make sure that your ride is ready to go. The same way that an athlete has to make sure that he's putting all the right, the right nutrition into his body to make sure that his body is ready for a legacy bowl, a combine, a pro day, anything, a private workout, you got to make sure that your car is set up for success as well. Now, you know, You've been needing a new alternate. You know you've been trying to crank up that car. It ain't been going right. You need to go ahead and change up. You need to get a new carburetor, right? You need to maybe you just want to look good. And that's the other thing. I, we focus so much on fixing up the car. I want to make sure that I also focus on just looking good in the whip. Maybe you want to get some LED lights on the inside. Maybe you want to get one of those things that, that uh, project something down on the floor when you open up your door at night. These things are nice to just have as a bonus. You can get all that at eBay Motors. Go to ebaymotors.com, put your car into the My Garage section, and you'll get any part or any part that pops up is guaranteed to fit for you. Is only eligible to U.S. customers. ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports Today. It's the first of its kind, 24-7, all day, every day, sports network on YouTube. We've looked at the offensive players to watch in the Legacy Bowl, and now it's time to look at the defensive players. And I'm going to kick it off with Luber Dentalis because he has been an absolute monster when you look at the stat sheet. When you go to the Benedict College defensive lineman who has moved around over the last two years, he's had 39 tackles for a loss in 24 sacks. His junior year was slightly better than his senior year. But overall, when you look at those, you know, the total numbers over the last two years, it's pretty split down the middle. 21 tackles for a loss and 14 sacks as a junior. You're looking at 18 tackles for a loss and 10 sacks as a senior. Either one of those years, you're looking like, oh, we want to see more of this guy. And to me, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing working in his advantage. There's a couple of things really working against him. One, he's on the D2 level, right? And then also his size, his stature. It's not great. Um, he did play well against, I believe it was South Carolina State. I believe it was South Carolina State that they played. No, Benedict College didn't play South Carolina State. I can't remember who it was, but I think they played some D1 school at some point, and he, and he looked good in that game. I could be wrong. Anyway, the point is he has 39 tackles for loss and 24 sacks. And you know I love to combine them and call them disruption stats, and you're looking at 63 disruption stats over the last two years. I don't care what level of competition you play at. That is impressive, and that jumps off the screen, and that's something that makes you want to go look. The thing about scouting, is if you're playing at the D2 level, you have certain traits. There are traits that they're looking for. It doesn't matter if you're playing against me. Don't matter if you're playing against Aaron Donald. Like, you're going to look different. Don't get me wrong. But traits are traits, and a lot of times they show up. And that's what you see from guys who dominate on a certain level. Traits. So the thing about his size is he's 255, I believe. Not a big guy. If I were his coaches, I would play him almost exclusively at defensive end. I know that he can wreck shop inside too, but I'm playing him at five technique, putting him on the edge of the tackle, and I'm telling them to go show everybody what you can do at this position because at 255, you don't really have hope at the interior, in my opinion. But you do have a little bit of hope at rushing the passer off the edge, especially if somebody says, you know what, we can bulk him up to 265, 270. So I, I will play him at defensive end primarily. The next guy that I'll look at is Jordan Tolles, and he's a, a, uh, a transfer from LSU. So when we speak about legacy and, and, and lineage of where you come from and how that shows high-end potential, we did that with Jeremy Musa. But then you also look at the fact that he's coming from LSU, one of the best producing schools in defensive backs, his position. So if we're speaking on where you transfer from, and that's showing some high-end potential, then Jordan Tolles has it all together. In his first game as a Morgan State Bear, pick six. This guy has been an impact player from the moment he stepped foot 
in Morgan State. Like, like this is one guy who four-time conference player of the week is the senior year. He was a Aeneas Williams award finalist. He was a guy who I thought definitely deserved it. Um, make sure I, I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. You just see him all always around the field, whether that's picking up fumbles, whether that's being there. I, I remember what game was was it the Akron game. When it gets to specifics, that's why I kind of get lost. But I think it was the Akron game where the ball got tipped up in the air and he caught it on the sideline, had to, had the toe tap. And it was just the awareness because as much as people speak about tip drills and, oh, the ball's not coming full speed, it takes a certain level of awareness and you also have to be around the football in order to take advantage of said tip drill. Um, We're going to go real quick with John Huggins. Because to me, and I, I ain't going to call G again and see if they're related, but John Huggins won his part of the HBCU combine. One of the best testing guys. Now it's time to show that that testing, that shirt and shorts, is not just shirt and shorts. You can put on some pads and let's do it. See, I would have said Eric Smith, who when you're the fastest 40-yard dash at a place, you're going to get some eyes. But he's 5'8 as a cornerback. And I'm not I, I I'm just not watching. I'll be honest with you. I just I have a lot of doubt that the five eight cornerback from the HBCU is going to get a lot of shine. I do. I and it's not like I don't even think the Kobe Durant was five eight. So you're looking at a guy who was smaller, but he was the number one corner. So it, it just there was more hope there. It was not the same situation at all. So that's why I didn't put Eric Smith here. And I'll wrap up my list of players to watch with one that's very personal to me. And that's Isaiah Major. I'm actually disrespected by the fact that Isaiah Major was not a part of the HBCU combine. He's here at the Legacy Bowl, and I expect him to go through and show everybody why he should have been invited. I think that's ridiculous. Unless I just missed, I went through and I looked at everybody's uh, um, measurements and, and testing on Blue Bloods. I didn't see him. I didn't see him. So, uh, or excuse me, FCS Football Central. But Blue Bloods runs that. Shout out to my guy, Blue. Um, but Isaiah Major, HBCU Combine invite or not, this is a guy whose tape I can watch all day, every day. He flies around the football. His ability to come downhill is one that's very impressive. This is a guy who I don't really try to sit here and hope often. If I do, it's typically related to my alma mater. Isaiah Major is a guy I hope gets a shot. Because I really think he has the talent to, if he gets into a training camp, to show everybody. This game is great for him. You're going to see a bunch of runs. You're going to see a bunch of probably short-term throws and then deep shots. He ain't going to be able to do nothing with them deep shots. But on those shorter throws, those throws that are within 10 yards, those runs, he's going to be able to show his physicality coming downhill on inside runs. He's going to be able to show his range going to intermediate or short 10, 10 to 12 yard throws he'll be able to show his range in defending those in rallying to the football and then also on the outside runs man this guy with johnny cheney was one of if not my favorite linebacking duo in the in the whole college football uh black college football you're looking at them and then also morgan state those are my two favorite linebacking duos i can't wait to watch isaiah major at this game I, I'll, I'll have my eyes on him probably more than any other player yeah, probably more than him and any other player. And I hope that him and Latrell Collier get to see each other because that would be nice. Now, as we push forward, this is getting hectic. 
We're at the end of the season almost. Black college basketball is almost done. So I have a, what, four, five games? Yeah, we got five games that are going to really make the landscape of HBCU basketball significantly clearer after this Saturday as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you finally have basketball back. It's Thursday. Go ahead and put your money down. The All-Star break is over, and you get to come back to some good NBA action because now the season is truly in its groove. The NBA season starts at Christmas and hits its groove after All-Star weekend. Let's get active. Let's go ahead and make some money. Now, my thing is, if you're new to FanDuel, even though I've been telling you to do this for how long? Two years? Two years? That's how long we've been talking about FanDuel. If you're just now getting on it, ain't no shame about it. Go ahead and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It'll allow you to make every moment more. And then also, if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back in bonus bets if you put down a winning $5 bet. So whether you get there before the game and can put down your money on that, or if you have to get there in the middle of the game and you want to use their live betting, doesn't matter. All that matters is that you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day making it all the way to segment three and i thank you two times for that thank you thank you the hbcu basketball season is coming to a close we're less than five or five games at most left in the season excuse me five games left in the season this is the home stretch and it's a little bit different than when you have 10 games left. You have 12 games left because games are important, but you also understand that there's so much that could happen in the next 10 games, the next five weeks. There's too much left to chance to really say that you're going to start solidifying positions. And sometimes you have a team that just runs away with things like I think Benedict did that two years ago on their women's basketball team. It's just different sometimes, or maybe it was last year. But it's rare that you see a team just run away with it from the jump. So now with five games left, three games left, two games left, now we can start having conversations about solidifying seating going into the tournament because we're almost in March now. We're only a week away from March, really. Next Friday is March 1st. So let's kick it off with the first one. That's Grambling versus Southern. That's a battle for first place in the SWAC. The winner will be first. The loser will be second. And... It doesn't matter because they both they have a two-game lead. They're tied at 10 and 3. And that's what this is all about. Every game that I'm about to highlight is between two teams that have the same record. Grambling is 10 and 3. Southern is 10 and 3. Both teams want to be number one. And Grambling won the first time around. If Grambling wins, they complete the season sweep, which means Southern cannot tie with them and still win, or they can't tie with them and then win the head-to-head matchup. But here's my thing about Southern is that you have to beat Grambling by 18 or more because you lost by 17. So let's say 17 or more to move to the next thing. The SWAC tiebreakers go head-to-head, no sweep. All right, next step, what was the point differential? 
So because Grambling beat Southern by 17 points the first time they faced off, now that means you have to beat them by the same or more in order to win that tiebreaker or at least make it go to the next one. So that's something to look at on that side of things. Um, Morehouse versus Benedict. This is another one that we've looked very closely at. We followed the Benedict, Morehouse, um, Clark Atlanta, SIAC East Triangle, and that's been kind of the triangle fighting for power. I believe that this Morehouse versus Benedict College game is going to be a battle for second place. It's my opinion that Clark is going to go ahead and handle up, and they're going to win. If Benedict wins this game, it gets a little bit uneasy because Benedict then faces Clark in the last game of the season. Maybe that's what we should be hoping for to make things even more exciting. But overall, I don't I don't know the tiebreakers. I couldn't find them. But I believe that Clark, if they win this week or if they win this Saturday, they'll have the tiebreaker and they'll have the number one seed sewed up. But this is one thing I can tell you for sure. If Morehouse beats Benedict and Clark wins on Saturday, the top three seeds in the SIAC East are settled. Clark at one, Morehouse at two, Benedict at three. And that happens if Clark wins and then Morehouse beats Benedict. Then all three of those teams could essentially rest on the last game of the year. Now let's get into the next one. Howard versus Morgan State and Delaware State versus South Carolina State. Now, obviously, I paired these two together because all four of these teams are MEAC squads. There is a ridiculous five teams who are tied at five and four with five games left. Now, I looked up the Angel number once I realized the repetitive fives. Now, I had no problem. Y'all know how I feel about five. But once I realized the repetitive fives, I said, what's the Angel number of 555? What does this mean? And I looked it up and it signified freedom. Of course, it's way deeper than the freedom I'm about to speak on, but it rep it represents freedom. And you'll finally see freedom from this five-team mashup that you have at the MEAC with second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Like, there's no reason that with a couple of games left, second through six should have the same record. North Carolina Central is the only one that is not facing somebody else of the mashup. And their win or loss, if they can get off of the skid, their win or loss will decide if we have three teams tied for second place or if we have three teams tied for fifth place. That's what you'll see. And then even then, you got the teams below. It, it, it gets hectic. Let's just focus on the winner of Morgan State versus Howard and then the winner of Delaware State versus South Carolina State. They will be tied for second place. Who joins them? We'll see. And then lastly, you have Jackson State versus Alcorn, another rivalry game. Just like you got Grambling versus Southern, you got rivalry games here. They are the two hottest teams in the swag, both on four-game winning streaks. One team will be up at five. The other team will be down to one loss in a row. So this is, this is a fun matchup because they're currently tied with Texas Southern for third place. They're the two teams who are sitting there with TSU, and then they're looking up at Grambling versus Southern. They're the team that's looking up and saying, all right, whoever loses between Grambling and Southern, I can try to go get them. That's what they're looking at. I don't know if it happens because Grambling and Southern is so good. I don't know if they just lose that many games. But Jackson State versus Alcorn is a battle of two teams, man. I told you at the beginning, when Jackson State was going through their skid, you'll always feel like that team 
from the beginning of the year that was really good is in there. And it feels like over the last four games, you've seen the team, they're back. It's the team that was there at the beginning. You can't count them out. That's me. I always look at a team as who they were when they started. That team's always in there. It's just a matter of, do you go back to it? Whether that's positive or negative, do you go back to that team? We'll see. So Jackson State versus Alcorn. Howard versus Morgan State and Delaware State versus South Carolina State. Morehouse versus Benedict, the one that has the most immediate impact because there's only one game left after this. And then you have Grambling versus Southern. There are phenomenal games this weekend, and every single one of the five that I just said will help to make sure that the HBCU picture is clear in each of the respective conferences as we get closer and closer to March and closer and closer to the conference tournaments. Now, on tomorrow's episode, because this previewing the weekend was a very Friday-esque episode. But we have a special feature Friday. I'm very excited to bring this to you. Travis L. Williams, the founder of HBCU All-Stars, is coming on to preview the HBCU All-Stars game that is there in April in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm excited to bring this to you. I've already recorded it. And I think it's I think this was a really good interview. So make sure you check that out tomorrow, bright and early, 5 a.m. I appreciate you. Also, Monday's episode will air late on audio. If you are an audio listener, you will not get Monday's episode until afternoon. So just want to let you know that. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day. Till tomorrow when we check out HBCU All-Stars. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.